0: Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, July 30th, we're studying Jeremiah chapter 46, verses 1 to 28. The word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah concerning judgment against Egypt, judgment that will be brought by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. Pastor Wheatfelt serves as the Director of Admissions and the Director of the Christ Academy Program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt, welcome back to Sharper Iron.
1: Thank you, Pastor Opel. It is great to be with you guys again. How are things going at the seminary this summer? Yeah, things are going really well. We were able to have our... uh... Normal Christ Academy High School event at the end of uh, June, and uh, had a wonderful out uh, turnout for for that event, and uh, even had uh, uh, someone uh, you're familiar with with uh, the the Obersats. Uh, great, yeah. to, great to have them have them come up. But uh, yeah, we were it was just a delight to have uh, almost 70 young people uh, with us in our two programs, our Timothy School and our Phoebe School, plus uh, a lot of college volunteers helping out with that as well. So that was it was it was a lot of fun to to get back to what is somewhat more normal than what we had last year. Sure. What about gearing up for this fall? What kind of events you have coming up? Absolutely. So we have our normal events uh, going on at the seminary this fall. We have our Christ Academy Confirmation Retreat, uh, which starts uh, the 24th of September through the 26th. Um, more information is on our website in regard to that. Then we have our uh Prayerfully Consider visit uh, starting on uh, October 7th through the 9th. And lastly, uh, I said that last one wrong. It's the 14th through the 16th. um, And then uh, that was our Prayerfully Consider visit. And uh, then October 29th through uh, Reformation Day, the 31st, we have our christ academy college event and like always more information about each of these events is on our website ctsfw.edu and uh, yeah, if you have any questions please feel free to to give us a call or shoot us an email at admission at ctsfw.edu we'd love to have you join us for any one of these events That's wonderful,
0: Pastor Wheatfelt. So we are in Jeremiah chapter 46 today, and you and I were chatting a little bit beforehand that we're in sometimes what seems like uncharted territory because getting through this far in Jeremiah, sometimes we don't make it if we're planning to read through the whole book. We've gone through a lot, and today we start a bit of a new section. We're going to encounter material, as I mentioned in my introduction, it's going to deal with Egypt and the judgment on Egypt, and we're going to kind of almost leave Judah behind, it seems. So as we prepare to begin this chapter and really setting the stage for the next several chapters in Jeremiah, what should we know about his ministry and then particularly what we're going to encounter starting here in chapter 46?
1: Absolutely. So just as a frame of reference for just, you know, as we've been plotting along, it's always good to step back and to look at that 30,000 foot view of what Jeremiah is all about. And it's one of the major purposes and something that um, I think one of the reasons why, uh, we are approaching the text in 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 uh, today this way is is as a constant reminder uh of that this is a call for judah to repent and uh, what the lord does in way of of bringing the people back to him and calling them to repentance is sends them obviously into the babylonian exile um but then also um, Provides then not just not just the law in the Babylonian exile, but the promise, the promise of um, allowing for a new covenant to be built between the children of Israel and. Uh, him. He's the one that, that crafts this, that leads them and us through it, but then also holds us in it. Um, so that, you know, he, he, he continues to give and gift in that way. So it's always, it's always a good, it's always a good reminder to think through, um, what is the, what is the total picture here? And how does, how does, uh, now, this uh, chapter 46 fit with the whole of, uh, of what, the, what the major theme is, and, and that major theme being how God then takes what was old and tarnished and corrupt and makes it new, and makes it new in, in the way of promise. And we'll see that uh, here at the end of our reading for today in verses 27 28, I believe.
0: Right. We are going to get a couple verses there at the end about Judah, particularly. Words that are going to be very similar to something Jeremiah has prophesied already to the people of Judah previously. But on the whole, this chapter deals with Egypt. And as we'll see in the next several chapters, up until 52, which will be another account of the fall of Jerusalem, we're going to be dealing with a bunch of what are sometimes called oracles against the nations. So, what are we going to see in this chapter and in the coming chapters? What's going on as the Lord begins to address these various
1: foreign nations? Absolutely. So, when as the Lord addresses these foreign nations, so he he takes the the focus uh, as as it is on the people of Israel and the fall of the people of Israel. The the focus of the you know as I said before the the, the call of Judah to repent and the announcing of the the Babylonian exile. He he, um, and with with all of that, it includes then um, some some bit on Jerusalem as a spe- as the specific uh, major city, the central place for the children of Israel, not just um, politically but even more so religiously uh, as a as it is as it is the religious capital and the religious key city for the people of Israel. He takes the focus and he shifts it now. Over to the um, judgment of the of of the nations, and in doing that, he kind of has already done a little bit of that in chapter uh, 25 uh, as, as from 13 following he, he does a little bit of that uh, where he, he, he says, I'll bring upon the land all the words that I have uttered and uh, continuing on uh, in, in, in verse 15, thus says the Lord of Israel uh, to me, that is Jeremiah take from my hand, this cup, of wine of wrath and make uh, all the nations to whom I will send it, uh, send you drink of it. So he's now handing over the cup of, of wrath um, the cup of, of judgment uh, to the chill to from the children of Israel over to now the nations that are going to um, that, that he's going to ultimately preach judgment upon and those nations are Egypt in in this chapter uh, 46. the Philistines in 47, Moab uh, in 48, Ammon, uh, Edom, um, Damascus, Kedar, and uh, Hazar, and Elam um, in forty nine, and ultimately then Babylon in fifty and fifty one, with the utter destruction of Babylon in fifty one. And I love uh, it's not just Babylon's going to be destroyed, but it will be utterly destroyed, uh, and uh, it, it will come to its 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 final full culmination in its destruction. And in that, you know, I think it's also, you know, why the Lord um, using the pen of of, of John in Revelation uses uses Babylon as the great whore, the great harlot, um, uh, because it is a place of utter destruction that the Lord has in mind. And I think he's also then foreshadowing, yeah, that 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 destruction at the end of all time uh, for for the. Um, for 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 the for the evil the the culmination of evil that is uh, known as the, the the city of Babylon or that is known as Babylon in in the book of Revelation.
0: I'm glad you brought up chapter 25 and the cup of the Lord's wrath that's recounted there. You get a long list of nations there in chapter mm-hmm. 25, which I think it it's you get almost a summary of that again here, but in in lengthier poetic form, yeah. singling out certain nations and and that list that's given there in 25 it begins with Judah and Jerusalem and yeah. of course we've seen that judgment take place and the, in that list Egypt does come next which we're going to see today and i think in terms of you know the structuring of the book of jeremiah although what we're going to look at today is going to be in some respects historically in a different situation we're going to have to go back to that the reign of king jehoiakim at least at the beginning of what we're going to read today so we're kind of you know bouncing around historically it does make a lot of sense because Egypt is where the people of Judah have fled to against the Lord's will in the previous chapter. So for Egypt to be the first group of people to receive the Lord's judgment within these oracles here at the end of the book of Jeremiah makes a lot of sense. And then again, leading up to, as you said, climactically to the nation of Babylon, because all along I think in the background, and and this is a question that the book of Habakkuk really comes and, and deals with kind of, front and center. But in the background of the book of Jeremiah has kind of been this question, okay, Judah's going to be judged for their evil, for their rebellion by Babylon. But what about Babylon? They're they're not clean in all this either. Mm-hmm. They're a pagan nation. And, and I think, you know, just seeing Babylon as the climax of that, and then all of these oracles against the nations is, is a reminder of what we saw there in chapter 25, that even as Judah receives the judgment for her rebellion against the Lord for worshiping idols. It's not like these other nations get a, a free pass. All the world is under God's reign as king and all will come under his judgment as well. And and ultimately all will be brought or all will be saved only through faith in Christ. The only way out of that sin of all these nations is through faith in Christ
1: absolutely and if if without that faith in Christ then the, the law wreaks um, its total devastating weight um, on us and on on the peoples uh, of 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 all the nations uh, without Christ there is no cross without Christ there is no uh, full forgiving um Uh, weight lifted, um, off, off of us without Christ. Yeah. The, the wages of sin is death and it's only death and it's a final death. It's a, it's a total devastating death, but because the wages are the wages of sin is death, that death is died for us by Christ fully and, 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 and completely. And, uh, he, he forgives, us than of our sins, and takes the punishment that we deserve in order to lift that weight. And um, you know, as the nations, uh, you know, continue to uh, go into and look look into themselves uh, toward um, and to their own gods and to their own devices, or what they're simply saying uh, is 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 they're they're really. A, a Buying into the Burger King God, having it their own way, and uh, as opposed to having it the Lord's way and how the Lord would, would, would free one of, of, of their sins through Christ Jesus alone.
0: Yeah, on the one hand, it, it may strike us as strange to all of a sudden, oh, now judgment on Egypt and all these foreign nations afterward. But on the other hand, if, if we recall all the way back in Jeremiah chapter one, we shouldn't be too surprised. Because the Lord called Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations from the very beginning. That's what Jeremiah was called to be, a prophet to the nations. And certainly his ministry has been in Judah, but he's not, been, he's not been ignorant of what's going on in other nations. He's dealt with a lot of foreign situations in terms of what's happening in Babylon and what's happening in Egypt. And so to hear him now proclaim judgment, and as we'll hear, this is the Lord's word, not Jeremiah's to hear him proclaim that judgment against these nations shouldn't be all that surprising to us because what the Lord was doing there in Judah, and even what he's been doing in terms of their, their destruction at the hands of Babylon, their exile, and the coming restoration, All of it is not just for Judah and not just for Jerusalem, but it is for the sake of all these nations. And so I think, you know, getting this here at the end of the book of Jeremiah is a reminder that everything that the Lord's been up to there in Jerusalem and Judah and will continue to be up to as, you know, as the history of the Old Testament progresses into the new and what happens there with Jesus, all of that is for the sake of all these nations as well. And so the proclamation of judgment against them will also lead to the proclamation of salvation that is found only in that savior who comes out of judah jesus
1: absolutely and yeah that that, that's that's the beautiful kind of paradox between the two uh that 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 yeah it it, it is it that the that christ is that dividing rod that 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 two-edged sword that as he slices down the middle and as p as as the pieces pull apart from each other you're either you're either um, in faith or you're not in faith. There's no other way. It's black. It's very. It's very black and white. And uh, uh, so you either are of the faith or you're not of the faith. You believe in Christ or you don't believe in Christ. There is no. Um, there is no middle ground. It's it's solely uh, either either of Christ or not of Christ.
0: Hmm. Right, and and just as the Lord calls His people Judah to be in faith in Christ and not on the other side. So he calls the nations to that same faith in Christ so that they would not be found only in judgment, but would be brought to faith in Christ. So that, yeah, that call that he's, resounding there in Judah is intended for the whole world and and even though these texts are going to be primarily about judgment uh, we are going to to see how through this judgment the Lord does intend to call even those foreign nations to himself to to fulfill some of those things like we see in the prophet Isaiah of nations streaming to mount zion to be brought to faith in Christ all of all of that that's where these chapters that's kind of the context that we should have in our minds as we read Today, judgment on Egypt. So we've got a pretty extensive chapter here, Pastor Wheatfield. Let's mm-hmm. jump right in. Chapter Definitely. 46 of Jeremiah. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, the prophet, concerning the nations, about Egypt, concerning the army of Pharaoh, Necho, king of Egypt, which was by the river Euphrates at Carchemish, and which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, defeated in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of. Of Judah. Maybe I'll pause there before we get into the actual words, because that gives us some historical context. Uh, one, Pastor Wheatfield, it sounds like the first verse is setting the stage, not just for this chapter, but really for this section
1: of Jeremiah as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah, this, this really does... Uh, set the stage for the next six chapters the uh, next 11 judgments uh, if you will as he lays out how many uh, uh lays out for each individual group their their own judgment and it begins with the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah this this the word of the Lord is used uh, over a hundred times in the Old Testament and and the majority of them are really in these prophetic books and uh, Jeremiah particularly uses this as a way of introducing in, Producing a, a new statement, and uh, in that new statement or that new thought is going to be in in regard to judgment against the nations now, as opposed to uh, against Judah, against uh, against Israel, so on and so forth. It is pr- this this section is is particularly uh, in reference to now. The nations, uh, again, the nations uh, that were first mentioned in 25 and now that are expanded upon here, uh, 46 through 51.
0: So the first nation that's dealt with is Egypt, which is introduced here in in verse 2. You get some of the historical context. The pharaoh that we're going to be dealing with in this first part is Pharaoh Necho, the king of Egypt. And and we're in the fourth year of Jehoiakim's reign, which we've encountered that year before. This is the same year that Jeremiah was given to write down on the scroll, the scroll that Jehoiakim ended up up burning. So we've seen this year before. It's 605 BC is, is what we're talking about, 605, 604 BC, right in that range. And particularly Particularly, we've gotten view of the Battle of Carchemish, which happens in that same year, which is a pretty key event in terms of the kind of the last gasp of any Assyrian effort to defeat Babylon. And, and Babylon comes and Egypt sort of allying with the rest of the Assyrians, what's left of them. And, and Babylon is going to come and, and defeat Egypt there at Carchemish. It's up on the Euphrates River. So that's kind of the historical context that we're dealing with. And in this word from the Lord, Jeremiah is going to give us a bit of the picture of the battle. So let's, let's read a little farther here into verses three and following. Prepare the buckler and shield and advance for battle. Harness the horses, mount, O horsemen, take your stations with your helmets, polish your spears, put on your armor. Why have I seen it? They are dismayed and have turned backward. Their warriors are beaten down and have fled in haste. They look not back. Terror on every side, declares the Lord. The swift cannot flee away, nor the warrior escape. In the north by the river Euphrates, they have stumbled and fallen. Who is this rising like the Nile, like rivers whose waters surge? Egypt rises like the Nile, like rivers whose waters surge. He said, I will rise, I will cover the earth. I will destroy cities and their inhabitants. Advance, O horses, and rage, O chariots. Let the warriors go out, men of Cush and Put, who handle the shield, men of Lud, skilled in handling the bow. That day is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance to avenge himself on his foes. The sword shall devour and be sated and drink its fill of their blood. For the Lord God of hosts holds a sacrifice in the North country by the river Euphrates. Go up to Gilead and take balm, O virgin daughter of Egypt. In vain, you have used many medicines. There is no healing for you. The nations have heard of your shame and the earth is full of your cry for a warrior has stumbled against warrior they have both fallen together. That's through verse twelve of chapter forty-six. Really a, a poem in and of itself. We're gonna see there's a, a slightly different context coming up in verse thirteen and following. So Pastor Wheatfeld, there's there's plenty for us to to talk about here in, in this section. Let's start with those first couple of verses, verses three and four. It sounds like you're getting Commanders who are, are sort of almost like battle preparations or mm-hmm. battle commands going on there in those first couple of verses.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's really interesting to see how, how this poem is laid out with, with, yeah, battle preparation, um, But then and then seeing kind of some desolation and um, before it almost almost like as if it was before the fighting started up to five and then um, six is the transition um, seeing um, seeing the Babylonians uh, come attacking and then. Uh, seven through the rest is is the fight itself, and I mean, frankly, it looks like a total devastation on the part of 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 the Babylonians uh, to uh, to to the the troops of Pharaoh. Uh, that, that 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 there is just this. There, there, you can almost. Uh, feel the the melee, if you will, um, as as you're reading along and uh, as, as you're seeing this. But yeah, the the the, f- the first little bit is is that uh, the the original, like, hey, let's take up arms. Um, we're we we're, we're about to fight, and uh, here we go. Let's 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 go fight. Uh, moving into yeah that 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 seeing the seeing the Babylonians coming, and then the battle itself.
0: Right so I mean it, when you as you read through this so for example like prepare the buckler and shield advance for battle harness the horses it sounds like you've got an egyptian commander pointing his troops do this do that and and you get the sense of confidence by yeah. the egyptian army i Absolutely. think and i think that's that's reinforced by what comes say in verses 7 8 and 9 where egypt is compared to the rising waters of the nile and, and saying i'm going to you know cover the earth destroy the, the cities and the inhabitants you you get this picture of Pharaoh and his army have this confidence that they're going up to Carchemish, they're going to win the battle and and all these battle commands are being given and it, it looks like at least to their eyes they're going to win mm-hmm. but Babylon comes and and Babylon very quickly puts an end to that mm-hmm. you know what I mean and that's where you know for example like you said verse six that the swift are not able to flee the warrior's not going to escape they've stumbled they've fallen. And I think what what kind of stands in the center of all that, and perhaps this is the surprise maybe to the Egyptians and maybe even to, to us, is that, well, who's behind all of this? Right there in the middle of verses five and six, you've got declares the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then in verse 10, yeah. that day is said to be a day of the Lord God of hosts. And so what's happening here in this battle of Carchemish is not sort of historical chance, but this is actually being directed by God himself.
1: I think that's the most amazing thing about this whole thing and something that, you know, we, it's very easy to lose track of, you know, we can kind of box God in, uh, to, uh, you know, oh yeah, he's he he's he's there in worship with us, Word and Sacrament. But he's also here in history. He's the one who has designed all of this, and is is now his holy plan is now being worked out in history. Uh, you can look at the you can look at this battle. Um, From from a historical context, and know that the Lord is the one doing the doing. He's the one that's acting in behind the scenes in all of this, and it's very even even amongst these uh, these pagan nations, he is the one that is actually doing everything here right now and uh he's the one that, that that's that's allowing for uh egypt to be destroyed and for assyria to be destroyed and uh and for but it, in this battle that, that that it's it's the lord it's the lord in the middle of all of us and i do <laughs> i kind of poetically uh, i do appreciate how it while the lord is in the middle of this he's it's also the kind of the middle <laughs> verse of 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 this section of the of the battle scene section that to remind us it's in in many ways it's it's like it's almost like a chiasm uh where you've got the 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 uh egypt at at, at the beginning and egypt at the end the egypt at the beginning though is an egypt that still thinks it has a chance but when it meets the day of the lord's vengeance in verse 10 you realize that it doesn't have any chance and so what do they do uh it, it it the it ultimately then crumbles. So it's Egypt at the beginning, Egypt at the end, but, but the Lord in the middle winning the day or leading the day, if you will.
0: Right. And, and doing that in the context of, you know, again, a battle between Egypt on the one hand and with, you know, the remnants of Assyria and Babylon on the other, you've got these Two foreign powers, pagan nations, who are fighting against each other for control of, you know, really of the known world at the time. And of course, Judas stuck there in the middle of all this, you know, looking to who's going to win and who are we going to be a vassal to. And, and yet in it all, the Lord is active. The Lord is, is at work, is, is a great mystery. And I think... Well, I don't know, Pastor. Wheatfield, what do you think? Is that is that more of a comfort
1: to us? Is that a, a terror? Is that or maybe a little bit of both, depending on where we are? What do you think? I think it is definitely um, where one is. Um, you know, we say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, and so, what does that fear look like? what What is that fear? Is that fear a holy fear? A fear that that rejoices uh, in the fact that the Lord has everything in control. That the Lord is the one uh, leading us on. The Lord is the one taking care of things. Or is it a fear that oh no, we've not we we are not able to stand up against Him? Um, that we can't do this ourselves in the way of 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 not trusting him, but seeing him solely as a tyrant, so, solely and in, in the way of wrath, solely in the way that uh, we should we should fear him uh, and be terrified of him as opposed to knowing that ultimately he he is in control. So I think it comes at us um, in a, in the way that uh, in whatever way it is that 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 we view him, whether we understand that he has everything under control and that our fear is a holy and righteous fear, a fear that is based on uh, the relationship and knowing that 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 he is our God and we are His people, or it's a fear out of uh, actually being terrified because we know that he is bigger than us and that at any time he could destroy us. And certainly
0: the Lord would be drawing us toward that first fear, that what some people call a filial fear, the the fear of a son knowing who he is, knowing who you are as his child, and knowing what he intends for good for you. We need to take our break. Pastor Wheatfell. we're talking Jeremiah chapter 46 this morning here on Sharper Iron, but we'll be right back. Please stick around. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, July 30th. We're studying Jeremiah chapter 46 verses 1 to 28 with Pastor Matt Wheatfelt. He's the Director of Admissions in the Christ Academy program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Wheatfelt. prior to the break, we're looking at this first part of this judgment against Egypt in verses 3 through 12 of Jeremiah 46. We're talking a little bit about the Lord being the active one here in this judgment against Egypt. And in verse 10, you get a, a, what I think is a pretty significant phrase. That day is the day of the Lord God of hosts. This day of the Lord is a concept that shows up many times in the old Testament, particularly in the prophets as it does here. This day of the Lord, which is described as a day of vengeance. How, how do we see that elsewhere in scripture? And, and how does
1: that ultimately end up pointing us to Christ? Absolutely. So when when we look at this day of the Lord, we see again that it is it something that happens time and time again, especially in uh, in 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 the prophets, whether it be Isaiah and Isaiah chapter two, for the day of the Lord's host shall be upon everyone. Uh, uh, that is proud and haughty or lofty, and upon everyone lifted up, he shall be brought low. So it's 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 a day of the Lord that is in judgment, is what we're seeing here. Or in Amos uh, chapter chapter five verses eighteen uh, through twenty, uh, where where we see Amos declaring, "Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord! Why why do you long for the day of the Lord? The day." will be dark and not light. Uh, again, r- preaching judgment um, and, and and Joel too, as he uh, pro- prophesies uh, the day of plagues, uh, the day of, pl- of a plague of locusts on the Babel be- during the Babylonian invasion of Jerusalem. So in the, in the old Testament, it, it definitely has this connotation of, of being a day of judgment and, even, um, e- but then when we, when we shift over to the New Testament, when we're talking about the day of, when we talk about the day of the Lord, we see that as a day of judgment also. However, that day of judgment, is a day of judgment against sin, in which Christ takes our sins into Himself and receives the judgment that we rightly deserve. So the day of the Lord, uh, the day, of, especially the day of the Lord's judgment, is is now on Christ as He takes our sins into Himself and dies for them on that Good Friday and uh, and, and and dies for them fully. And completely freeing us of of those sins and the punishment that we deserve, so it completely reorients us uh, towards how we see this day of the Lord. That it is still a day of judgment. However, that judgment has been stayed in Christ Himself, who has taken all of that sin, all of that. Uh, punishment that we we rightly deserve into himself and so then you know we think about when we think about the day of the day of the lord uh in 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 our vernacular today we think about where we receive christ um and where we receive his body and blood uh in worship now where we Uh, begin our worship in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, um, where we can make the sign of the cross, remembering our baptism, remembering where we receive forgiveness. But then that as we continue on through the worship service, as we continue to receive forgiveness in every element and and the culmination of that in the divine service being the actual uh, reception of the Lord's body and his most precious blood for the forgiveness of your sins. So, um, that the the, the the Lord's judgment has stayed in Christ, and now that um, the day of the Lord no longer is a day of, of judgment, but is a day of, of rest, a day of peace, a day of forgiveness, um, because of the work that Christ has done for us.
0: Yeah, that, that day of the Lord language in the Old Testament and, and seeing how it f- is fulfilled there in Christ and all that judgment that Egypt deserved and that Judah deserved and all the nations deserved is poured out upon Christ so that, as you said, God's judgment against you and me is it's stayed now and, and we receive the fruit of that still today in that day of the Lord. And I think that really gives a, a very a, a beautiful picture, a very, I don't know, dramatic picture of what happens on a Sunday morning, that that God's judgment that you and I deserve is not given to us. But instead, the the fruit of the judgment that Christ received in our place, all that grace and mercy now comes to us on that day of the Lord. It really is a, a beautiful picture of grace. So that when we see, you know, the day of the Lord in the Old Testament, or or when we, I mean, what, what do we do? We repent at that. And and that's how having seen how the the judgment has fallen upon Christ on the day of the Lord. Now we can be brought to repentance and faith rather than as we were talking about earlier, just absolute terror, but a true fear of the Lord that's founded in repentance and faith so that we receive ultimately grace from Christ Instead of this judgment, because it's been poured out on him instead, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's a connection that we we should make whenever we see the day of the Lord, and particularly here in this matter of, of the judgment against Egypt. Any other thoughts on that section, Pastor Weefeld? Before we move into the the second half of the chapter,
1: yeah. So as the as as the Lord now is the one who who carries out the fullness of of, of what. What uh, of, of this judgment against now Egypt, so the Lord is also the one that carries out the full forgiveness. Of of our sins and in continuing to give to us uh, that forgiveness each time, uh, each day of the Lord, and every you know, really every day is the day of, is our Lord's day. However, you know, as we gather together um, this coming Sunday, you know, it, it always has a special special place where we remember. You know, our Lord's resurrection that that first Easter. Every every Sunday is an Easter where uh, we we really. Truly, fully receive um, what the Lord has what the Lord has promised through His resurrection, through His death and resurrection. That is the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of life everlasting. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, His his proclamation of judgment is intended to move us to repentance so that we can rejoice in that forgiveness. Now, the the proclamation of judgment continues here in chapter 46. A bit of a transition seems to to widen the view here a little bit in verse 13. We've been particularly thinking about the Battle of Carchemish in 605. As we'll see, this this sounds a little broader and a, a larger destruction of Egypt that's coming at the hands of Babylon. So we pick up again at verse 13. The word of the Lord spoke to Jeremiah the prophet about the coming of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to strike the land of Egypt. Declare in Egypt and proclaim in Migdal, proclaim in Memphis and Toppenese. Say, stand ready and be prepared, for the sword shall devour around you. Why are your mighty ones face down? They do not stand, because the Lord thrust them down. He made many stumble, and they fell. And they said to one another, Arise and let us go back to our own people and to the land of our birth because of the sword of the oppressor. Call the name of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, noisy one who lets the hour go by. As I live, declares the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts, like Tabor among the mountains and like Carmel by the sea, shall one come. Prepare yourselves baggage for exile, O inhabitants of Egypt, for Memphis shall become a waste, a ruin without inhabitant. A beautiful heifer is Egypt but a biting fly from the north has come upon her. Even her hired soldiers in her midst are like fattened calves. Yes, they have turned and fled together. They did not stand for the day of their calamity has come upon them. The time of their punishment. She makes a sound like a serpent gliding away for her enemies march in force and come against her with axes like those who fell trees. They shall cut down her forest declares the Lord, though it is impenetrable because they are more numerous than locusts. They are without number. The daughter of Egypt shall be put to shame. She shall be delivered into the hand of a people from the north. The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel said, Behold, I am bringing punishment upon Ammon of Thebes and Pharaoh and Egypt and her gods and her kings upon Pharaoh and those who trust in him. I will deliver them into the hand of those who seek their life, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon and his officers. Afterward, Egypt shall be inhabited as in the days of old, declares the Lord. But fear not, O Jacob, my servant, nor be dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save you from far away and your offspring from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return and have quiet and ease and none shall make him afraid. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord, for I am with you. I will make a full end of all the nations to which I have driven you. But of you, I will not make a full end. I will discipline you in just measure and I will by no means leave you unpunished. That's the rest of Jeremiah chapter 46. So, Pastor Wheatfeld, again, this this section, particularly verses 13 through 24, which are against Egypt, 25 and 26 are also against Egypt, but have a slightly different feel to them. This section sounds uh, broader than the previous one. The previous one had this individual battle Mm -hmm. description. This one sounds a lot more large term destruction that egypt is going to face at the hand of, of nebuchadnezzar what are what are some of the highlights of this section
1: absolutely so yeah the hi- highlights being that you know this this message is a message that's going to be declared all over all over egypt to migdol to memphis uh, to uh uh, to th- the fanes uh, all over um, whereas you know it, and then then it, it asking the question where are your mighty ones? the ones why are your mighty ones face down? They're dead. <laughs> That's why they're, uh, they are the, the, the army the, the, the host of Pharaoh is is face down. Uh, they are dead. They, they, there is no hope for the people the, the, the last line of defense um, between the people and between the Babylonians has fallen. And now here comes, here comes the, 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 the horde uh, of the Babylonians to, to devour uh, like locusts. Uh, And I think, you know, he's, he's throwing that in there as kind of a remembrance towards um, the plagues that, that, that befell the, the the Egyptians uh, at the time of Moses, that this, that this, this is, this is what it's going to be like. You remember when that happened now, are going to experience that uh, in, in even more so in spades uh, rather than just insects, um, you know, de- devouring you and your crop and your, your livestock. You're going to have the, these, these barbarians um, in, in, in the, the people of, of, of the Babylonians and the army of the Babylonians and there's no, there is no hope. There is no hope, uh, for, for them that they, they are going to be completely, uh, distraught, completely destroyed. And, uh, uh, and, and it's not going to not going to be pretty for them. Uh, so um, other things to highlight, uh, uh, such as, um, you know, down down in uh, 22, uh, where, where it, the Lord says, uh, speaking about um, speaking about the, the, the beautiful heifer of, of, of Egypt, um, she makes a sound like a serpent gliding for her enemies march in force uh, to come against her. With acts like those who fell trees, it's it's they're not even they're not even taking into account, uh, you know, the the individual. But they're just they're just whacking away and uh, taking taking what the Lord might uh, working on behalf of the Lord, but in in, in a totally barbaric uh, way that 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 will not that will not stop. The, 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 while the people of Israel may be, or fe- people of Egypt may be as numerous as the, the trees in a forest, that they're just going to come in and, and wreak total, total and absolute devastation uh, on on the whole people of Egypt. Mm. And it's not that, going to be that- pretty
0: right and that that image in verse 22 I was, I was reading in a, a commentary about that serpent gliding away and the the image the way they they suggested you know think about how a, a snake would try to maybe slither away into a forest to try to get away from an enemy and you know and, and what would you do well leave it alone well in this case Babylon is is okay you're gonna try to hide well in order to catch you I'm gonna cut all the trees down. And and that's how much wrath is going to come against Egypt is that rather than letting the serpent simply escape into the forest, they're going to catch that snake. They're going to stomp on that snake by leveling the whole forest. I mean, you know, it's, it's like you, or it's kind of, you, maybe you've seen this before. Like if I see a snake in my house, I'm going to burn it down yeah. just to get rid of the <laughs> snake kind of thing. Cause I, I don't like snakes that much. yeah it, It's something, something like that, the, the level of, of destruction that's going to come. You think you're going to get away. You are not is, is the point. Yeah. I, if we can we I want to, there's a Verses 17 and 18 Mm. both stuck out to me where, you know, call the name of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, noisy one who lets the hour go by. That reminds me of the way, you know, at the very beginning, that first poem, how Egypt had this level of confidence, but ultimately it was, it was nothing. It was just a bunch of noise or, or even in, in earlier in the book of Jeremiah, before when Babylon was besieging Jerusalem, Egypt came up for a while in, in 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 an effort to try to help Judah. And of course, what ended up happening? Well, they got pushed back and Babylon ended up finishing the siege of Jerusalem and destroying it. So Egypt has multiple times shown themselves to be just, you know, making a bunch of noise, but really having nothing to back it up. And and the reason is in verse 18 is because they, you know, Pharaoh thinks he's king, but in verse 18, who's the real king? It's the Lord of hosts, which again, points back to that same thing we were talking about earlier is that, the, the Lord of hosts, the Yahweh, the one true God, he ultimately stands as king over all these nations, and, and he is at work to execute his purposes among them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, he, he is the one that is there to to make sure that things go the way that he uh, intends for them to go and to make sure that 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 ultimately has its final culmination um in 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 his children returning to him and uh, his care for for his children and uh, I think that that that's the most important thing uh, to 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 focus on is that yeah the the Egyptians looked mighty and and powerful in number but the Lord time and time again spares the children of Israel from from a total devastation a total uh, it may be for a little while but it's not a, it's not a final and full um, complete destruction uh from from another from another land whether it be egypt whether it be assyria whether it be babylon the lord ultimately um continues to to allow for the children of israel as they are his chosen people to live and to thrive and to grow uh, and uh, and at this point you know thinking towards who is going to save them now they're probably thinking in regard to Their physical lives, but um, ultimately, yeah, we should not fear um, fear the one who um, can only take this life, but fear the one that can destroy. Uh, everything, destroy our eternities, uh, that, that sends to hell ultimately. And, uh, that, that, that person, you know, is, is, is the Lord, um, not out of wrath or anger, but out of, out of, out of righteousness and justice, uh, as, as w- those who re- only reject. Uh, and, and do not believe uh, receive that final and full judgment. But the, the, the people, the, the, the chosen, uh, the children of Israel and the new children of Israel um, you know, receive uh, grace upon grace as he continues to lavish upon us his love uh, as his dear children.
0: Toward the end of this chapter, unlike some of the other chapters within this section of Oracles Against the Nations, there is a note of grace. And and I think there may be a slight note of grace even for Egypt. The end of verse 26 says, Afterward, Egypt shall be inhabited as in the days of old, declares the Lord. And I... I can't help but but hear a little bit of of perhaps a promise there that there will be Egyptians who will be called to faith in Christ yet. Uh, But more particularly, in verses 27 and 28, there are words that are given to Judah, to the people of God. In the midst of all this, Well, you might say, international upheaval, the Lord tells his people, don't be afraid. I have called you by name. You are mine, to, to use Isaiah's language.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, they, they are his children and as they are his children. So he too carries them through what is seemingly this, this, this day of even, I mean, for, even for them, it's a day of fear, a day of uncertainty, because, you know, if, if, if you have one who is attacking and the one who is, who is, who is, who's, who's going to try to destroy you, what this other one could cares probably even less about you you and if they care less about you then your life is is meaningless and pointless to them and thus they'll uh, try to to also take take that from you but yeah the 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 lord ultimately do not fear O jacob my servant and do not be dismayed O israel behold i will save you from afar and your offspring from the land of you from of their captivity so it's going to be the lord that while as he is working to make sure that um, things happen according to his plan uh, in regard to history, so too he is also working through uh, this history in order that the children may continue to be uh, made alive; that they are not, that their lives are not taken from them. Um, in, in, uh, in, at an inappropriate time but always the it thing as they, as we follow along this is this continues to happen for the children uh, in, in the way that the Lord has designed it.
0: yeah that note there at the end, those last two verses it reminds me of, of the way Paul talks about Jesus in Ephesians chapter 1 thinking about our ascended Lord and Paul says that that the father put Jesus he put he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. And those last three words to the church, that that Jesus as the ascended King over all, what's he doing in, in these various, you know, international upheavals that we know our Lord is, is working through, what's he doing? He's working for the good of his church. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I think that those last two verses then provide a great comfort to us that that even as we see, and, and in today's world, you know, not knowing what, what is the Lord up to in the various workings of the nations, I, I don't know. I don't have a word from the Lord like Jeremiah. And yet I know that that even as history works itself out. Maybe that's not the way we should say it. God works through history. Ultimately, for the good of his church. And I think that's something from Jeremiah 46 that we can still take and use today.
1: Absolutely. As the Lord continues to uh, care for the children uh, of Israel, uh, even in this, in this seemingly dark time. So he promises that he'll take care of them all the way along that. I mean, as, as the, as the new children of Israel, as the uh, the, the people that believe in his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he promises that even in the midst of the darkness of this world, that he will be there never to leave us nor forsake us. And uh, in doing that, he continues to make sure that we are cared for um. How though? How though? Um, he, he, yes, physically, but also, and most importantly, spiritually, as he continues uh, to make the promise to us uh, that he makes at the end—that that, that Christ our Lord makes at the end of Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age, and uh, that that he is here to to give himself to us through word and sacrament. That he doesn't leave us or forsake us. That he doesn't leave us as a sheep without a shepherd. But we have a A good shepherd, a shepherd that cares for his flock, that goes, uh, that leaves the ninety-nine and goes goes to find the one, that makes sure uh, that 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 he acts as as the door to the pen, uh, that that no wolf may enter in, or no no destruction um, may happen. uh, And literally, over his dead body, uh, and uh, you know that dead body uh, being made alive again on that glorious Easter Sunday morning as Christ continues to to care for us in these gray and latter days, that he promises uh, to, again, lavish us with grace upon grace, that where sin is, grace uh, may abound even more through the forgiveness of our sins to life everlasting. And so, yeah, there is great joy. There is absolutely great joy in, in all of this. He's got the plan. Uh, he is using these times— um, uh, for, for the children of Israel to call them to repentance. He's using these times for us uh, today, these gray and latter days, uh, to, to call us to repentance, uh, to, to call for us to uh, call upon his name in, in our day of trouble. Um, he makes promises, uh, to us. And in those promises that he makes to us, he, he calls for us, uh, to also hold him to his promise. And in holding him to his promise, uh, he continues, uh, to, 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 to be there with us and, and to, to continue to live out those promises, uh, that he makes, uh, to us, uh, it, it, the beautiful thing uh in, in in all of this is that uh the, it, it you know trusting his plan is so much easier to say than it is to actually believe uh, but uh ultimately you know the, we, we we must pray that the Lord continues to send his holy Spirit uh, to give us faith and to faith to believe for um, faith comes outside of us faith is is something that is 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 lived into us is given to us through the Holy Spirit, as uh, as we confess in the in third article of, of of the creed according to Luther's Small Catechism. We say, "I believe that I cannot believe by my own reason or strength, uh, or come to Jesus, my Lord, uh, but it's the Holy Spirit who enlightens me by the Gospel, sanctifies me, and keeps me in the one true faith. It's 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 it, it's nothing of our own. For if it was of our own, uh, we would <laughs> we it would be absolutely uh, um, um, ruined <laughs> uh, if if we were left to our own devices. Our own devices um, would only lead us towards sin, and uh, on, on our best days, only some sin, <laughs> and on our worst days, a multitude of sins. Uh, so it's it's the Holy Spirit who continues to to give us. The faith to know that the Lord is in control, to know that the Lord is using these things, using these days, as he has used time and history, uh, whether it be the warring of nations, whether it be um, uh, our own personal history, the Lord continues to use these things to shape us, uh, to call us to repentance uh, so that we may always Uh, And all uh, may always believe in him and come to him in every time of need.
0: Pastor Matt Wheatfelt is the director of admissions in the Christ Academy program at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana, helping us this morning with Jeremiah chapter 46, verses 1 to 28. Pastor Wheatfelt, thanks for being our guest today.
1: My pleasure, Pastor Oppel. It is a joy being with you once again.
0: I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about the book of Jeremiah or comments on the series, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or use the app. The open mic feature allows you to send up to a 60-second message to us. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.